Hello, my fellow fallible humans. This is the Red Roof Recovery Show. It's a program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. And you know what? It's not just for addictions. It's for life. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and I really appreciate you spending the next 30 minutes with me as I share the experience that I have acquired over the years through my own recovery from mental health disorders like addictions to drugs and alcohol. First, though, I want to take a moment to thank my dear friend, Russell Allen Scott. Russell has gifted me with this beautiful piece of music. It's called Greatest Bravery, and it's such an appropriate theme song for this show, too, because it has certainly taken great bravery for me to come out of the proverbial closet to speak publicly about my addictions to drugs and alcohol. I use a variety of tools and techniques that I'm going to be sharing with you on each episode of the show because there are literally hundreds of tools that you can use to manage life and recovery. The key is to keep looking until you find something that clicks for you. And a key to my recovery path has been information. And I knew that I needed to retrain my brain for critical thinking. I'm a huge proponent of a thinking therapy called CBT, and that is an acronym for Cognitive Behavior Therapy. And I'm going to talk about cognitive behavior therapy in great detail today with one of my favorite people. (laughs) She is an extraordinary woman. Uh, um, In addition to being a successful realtor, uh, she's a master life coach. She's an expert in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and one of my dearest friends. I am just honored to have her with us today. Tammy Bannon, Mm. welcome to the Red Roof Recovery Show. Always great to have you here. Thanks so much, Tanya. I love coming here. And when I talk with you before the show, you always inspire me to uh, to to share more of what we of what we talk about because you know and you said I, I I seek out information I think it's one of the things I love the most about you is that you're constantly evolving and inf- information is your fuel and uh, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Um, you know what? It's all about service. I've learned in my recovery over the years that um, serving people with information uh, through my own experience has been helpful to people and that. Uh, that has become a, a meaningful purpose in my life, for sure. So funny you say that. <laughs> uh, we talk about, you know, who am I and what gives us purpose? And, uh, you know, who is it that, that asks who am I? And who hears the answer when you, when you answer who am I? And, and you say, you know, information has been your thing. We're in an information era. And, and the, the, the lessons of yesteryears and ancient wisdoms suggest to us that we need to connect more closely with our souls. And one of the most effective way to do that, Tanya, is to serve. And so in A Course in Miracles, you've probably read the, the question is, you know, not what am I, what can I, what am I going to do today or what am I going to get today, but how may I serve? So that's probably why it's so enriching for you is because it fuels your soul. So that's beautiful also. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. terminology, fueling the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied other um, philosophies and religions growing up. And one of my favorites was uh, the Tibetan um, yeah, I love the cup of life and death. So the, the Tibetans have a ritual, and it's called the cup of life and death. And it's a ritual that I have adapted to my life because I think it's really significant. Because I was indoctrinated by Alcoholics Anonymous. As you know, I talk about it all the time. Uh, it was the only model of recovery available to me when I made the decision that my life had become unmanageable. I was uh, living in Spain with my husband at the time. 
And AA was the only model of recovery available at the rehab where I went in just outside of Seville. So AA saved my life. Absolutely. I wouldn't be here today without it. But that indoctrination was powerful over the first eight years of my recovery. And, you know, I love the slogans, one day at a time. That is all we have. And the Tibetans have this cup of life and death that represents essentially the same thing. So at the end of the day, when I'm ready to go to bed, I have this little, um, really nice wooden cup that my father actually brought back from the Dominican Republic in one of his travels. And it's a really nice hand-carved little wooden cup. And I turn it over upside down. And that represents the end of my life. So that's it. And that's kind of how I hope I go is in my sleep, actually. We can, we can <laughs> hope for that, yeah. And then in the morning when I wake up, it's like the first thing I do is say, thank you. It's a new day and I get to do it all over again. And I go to the cup and I turn it up and I say, thank you so much. I get to do it all over again. I can see, I can touch, I can taste, I can feel, I can smell. And a new day begins for me and I am ready to give and receive, right? So that's another thing is that, you know, it can't be all about giving either. We need to take care of ourselves and really be cognizant of self-care, yeah. I think, in not just recovery, but in life as well. And for a lot of people, self-care is a huge challenge. And I, I'm definitely speaking personally, this this recent pivot in my life and massive injury that um, that fell upon me <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in, in August really taught me to receive. And I still fight it. I still am... am fiercely independent and and pushing help out of the way and not wanting to be a burden. And I still have those negative narratives running in my head that you often thankfully correct me on that, you know, it's just as important to give. And I think what somebody said once to me that really resonated was when you don't allow other people to help you, you take away the beautiful gift that you feel when you help others from them. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, sorry, I did not mean to do that. That's so true. So, uh, so again, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's why we have, um, you know, I was a personal support worker for a long time, uh, working with my nephew who has a neurodevelopmental disorder called Williams syndrome. So biologically now he's 32. However, mentally he's five. He'll be operating. That's it. That's his, he's, he's my perpetual five-year-old. I love him dearly. And he teaches me something every time I'm with him as well. Uh, most the, one, the story I tell a lot, so forgive me for repeating myself because I love telling this yeah. story about when, he, when my dad was alive, he would come to spend the night with us in Baden and my dad lived just up the street. It was wonderful to have him there for those few years. So he would spend um, Friday night with us and then he'd go and spend Saturday night with uh, Papa up the street. And of course, Papa loved to go to Sunday Mass. So getting Tyler up to go to Mass on Sunday, <laughs> he said he said one day, he said, Papa, I don't have to go to church. I have God in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, anyway, he's just he's an extraordinary young man. I love him so much. I love being with him. And uh, the hardest thing we had to do as a family was deciding that, you know, he's going to outlive us. So where do we put him? Uh, that's going to nurture him through his life and give him the best quality of life within a community. And of course, no surprise, that happens to be Elmira, Ontario. Mm, yeah. And Elmira, thankfully, has a large Mennonite community, and they embrace the special needs adult communities. Oh, they're, they're just so supportive of it. 
And, uh, you know, my sister has been on the board of directors with uh, the organization, and she was part of the Field of Dreams in Elmira that is growing. And um, it's just such a wonderful community. And I do this often as well. I get off topic. <laughs> so what were we talking about? I don't know, but I know you wrote notes about it. Uh, we were, we were, we've scattered around quite we a few sure places. Did. We're talking yeah. about thinking yeah. therapy, cognitive behavior therapy. And I don't well, even how know do we how. Change the th how do we change our brain? How do we rewire the programming and conditioning of society that stops us from asking the deeper questions? I believe that's, that's the direction we were hoping to go today. And I think with Tyler, though, because I'm so passionate about this training of the brain, because I, you know, in recovery, I accepted that uh, I need to train my brain to better serve me. So how can I resist the temptation to go back into uh, drugs and alcohol, because that was my go-to. That was my, you know, I need to get rid Escape. of this feeling. I need to change this mood. I need a mood-altering substance. What can it be as quickly as possible? Mm -hmm. So how can I uh, maintain the motivation to abstain from my addictions? And not just abstain from addictions. We talked about this earlier, Tammy, about how I saw the 12th season of Law and & Order. And I remember when, uh, you know, when I was in uh, mainstream media as my vocation, on the weekends, my husband and I used to watch Law & Order on the weekends. That was kind of our, our watch together, right? Watch a movie together, but it was just a, law and, a couple of Law & Order episodes. And I thought, oh, it's been a while, 12th season. I'm mm -hmm. going to have a look at this. I watched two episodes, and I felt so disconnected and so heavy and so depressed. And I thought, man, oh, man, yeah. there is something to be said for what we are exposing ourselves. So our yeah. diet is not just what we're eating. It's what we're watching, it's what we're reading, it's what we're listening to. And I think the fact that I've abstained from negative media for so long now, since 2002, that when I'm exposed to the negativity of that, that's proffered in uh, main, most mainstream media platforms now, it, uh, I, I think I've been uh, kind of resensitized mm -hmm. by my abstinence. Yeah, you definitely have yeah. been. And, that, and that's the perfect step through growth is when, when, and most people are immersed in, they wake up and they start watching the television. And then we were talking about this, then they go outside and there's all these rules to follow. You have to stop at this light. You have, you can only travel in this direction. You to turn right here, no left turns. There's all these rules. Even when we go into grocery stores, there's arrows on the floors. Now don't touch this. You have to wear a mask, yada, yada. Every, everything that, that our brain would, you know, not have to think about is told to us. So we get very conditioned to just follow orders and to just be compliant and not dig deeper for ourselves or for the things that we're being told to do. So that's a perfect example. It's not unlike the last time we spoke about my son, you know, not watching uh, Batman and, and Power Rangers and those crazy shows. The first time I put it in, in, in front of it, he was spastic. So how do we do that? And, and I think you brought up a really great point, Tanya. You had spent an, an whatever amount of time abstaining from negative messages, negative media, uh, negative television shows, that kind of activity increases your mindfulness or your awareness. And the level of your awareness is essentially the level of your consciousness. And when we get closer to our own consciousness, those things become more worldly and more heavy and more burdensome. And they take us away from the real things in life, which are true authenticity, creativity, potentiality, the things that fuel our, our, our spirits. When we're engaged in something constant, 
constantly, whether it's the television or all the messages that we see as we move through our day, and then television again at night, and then whatever else, other kind of media it is. We have no time to ruminate in, in our own beautifulness. Mm. So, so we're just like masked over. It's like having a saran wrap film over your vision. That's, yeah. that's what it's like. So, Well, we're now processing, I think it's a conservative uh, amount that I've recently read about that we're processing about 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. That's still, yep. And those are the same thoughts that we thought the day before and the day before that. 90% of them are the same as the day before. It's just this cycle that Mm -hmm. I talk about. I call it the committee in my head that keeps running in a loop Mm -hmm. and never shuts up, right? And it's just this negative narrative that keeps beating me up. I don't know about your inner dialogue, but I have to be cognitive, aware of this negative narrative running in a loop that never shuts up in my mind to intercept it. So I'm feeding it with some positive input that can offset that negative narrative. And the first step to that is noticing that it's happening. Mm -hmm. So again, we go back to awareness. And you and I talked about a really great strategy today that you use one way and that I had learned a different way, which is the stop, right? Yes. Just Mm -hmm. stop. You know, you find yourself wanting to react or, or... you know, to behave in a way that might be unseemly. At That's best. the flight, the, f- the, the reptilian flight, brain, the fight or flight, fight response. flight. Thank yes. you. Yeah. And so, uh, so your the, the, the acronym stop is stop, take three deep breaths. Again, awareness closer to even in Huna and in ancient Hawaiian practices, they talk about breath and how it cleanses the mind. Uh, so stop and then uh, always observe. So observe what's happening again without judgment or without the the emotional heightened um, attachments. And then P, once you've observed and processed, process and proceed. Proceed. So, yeah, uh, that's the way to do it. But number one always is notice. Mm -hmm. You have to notice you're doing it. So so paying attention to what you're thinking. I mean, um, I I just did this really great course called Radical Wellbeing with Deepak Chopra, and he had a um, neuroscientist who teaches at Harvard. His name is Rudy Tanzik, I think. And they were talking about, again, the ways that we can clear our brain and access what we're evolving towards the superbrain. So we talked about the different parts of the brain. And again, it's all balance. You know, we, we have to, we do need the reptilian brain. If a bus is going to come and whack us off the road, we still need the reptilian brain. The limbic system is all of our emotions. And it sort of is the deciding factor in our imagination and a lot of our decisions. And then the, the neocortex is the, the logical, the thinker, you know, the one that, that, that justifies and reasons for us. But we can't be operating on only one section of it. They all have to be married together and help us balance through those things. So information gathering, noticing yourself, a deep desire to become more aware. Who's, who's aware? Who's being aware? What are you aware of? Mm-hmm. And who are you? Who's the you looking at you? What's that deeper place that exists after I die? Um, did I die? Do I exist? And in this, in this radical well-being, and uh, these, this neuroscientist was talking about the, the real reality of our spirit is in the gap. It's in the emptiness. Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote a book called Getting Into the Gap. Uh, Mary Morrissey talks about silence. Um, Waldo Emerson talks about science, uh, or I mean, the gap as well. It's the space between the sounds. Without, without that space, nothing exists. You can't hear it, see it, touch it, taste it. Nothing without the space. Before there was a flavor in your mouth, there was nothing in your mouth, Right? The, 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 the notes between, the space between the musical notes is what creates the beauty in the notes. Mm. So this is the place where our soul lives. Mm-hmm. And, 
And so when you're discovering who is, who am I, who is my soul, we start to take away things because that seems easier. Well, I'm not my body and I'm not my brain and I'm, I'm not my mind and I'm not, okay, I'm not a mother. I'm not, right? So we start to take away things. Well, what's left? You know, what's left is the space. And if only space is left, then there can't be anything because there's nothing. And so that means that our souls are formless. They're formless and they're timeless. So each time that we're attached to form or to time or to what the senses are telling us, we know we've moved away from the soul and closer to the material world. That's a really great clue for anybody looking to notice more about themselves. I think that's why meditation is uh, talked about so much. Mm -hmm. And why do you think so many people have uh, a resistance to it? Because well, even me, Tammy, I have a hard I time know. meditating for longer than 10 minutes. So I'm a big fan of Kelty Mental Health, Dr. Vo. He's a Canadian pediatrician out in BC. And he created this website called Kelty, K-E-L-T-Y, mentalhealth.ca. And he has a playlist of meditations I love because they're short. Yes. Right? He's got three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. And they're perfect for me. And they use acronyms, which I love too, because yes. they're memorable. So he's got one talking about uh, the STOP acronym. So it's SOBER. It works in my circles because we're doing recovery meetings. So I talk about the SOBER acronym a lot and this three-minute video because it's one of my go-tos. And I can feel accomplished. Yes, and you can say, yes, I meditated. <laughs> I meditated yes. for three whole minutes. Well, I, I, I want to ask you, <laughs> if, you were t if I were to say to you, if, if our language creates our reality and your language is most frequently, I have difficulty meditating, then your experience is going to be you have difficulty meditating. Yes. So when we talk about this when we're working on the computer, I mean, I don't understand how Google Docs works. Now I'm going to get to save this from that. And I say, what do we say? I'm a technological genius. I am a <laughs> technological genius. So you have to ignore what the five senses are telling you. And if, you're, if your language is saying, I am no good at meditating, Go to what you do know, what you focus on expands, what we practice grows stronger. Meditation is the gap and getting into the gap brings you clarity and clarity gets you closer to your soul. Those things you desire. If you change your language on the first thing, then you can get more of the other two things, which is what you desire. Mm, yeah, we talk about that a lot, how we're talking to ourselves and to Constantly. others and the language we're using. And I was shocked to learn that our English language dictionary mm. has three times as many negative words to positive words. I, I, it's probably three to one ratio. So we, from the UK. <laughs> to tell you, I just <laughs> I don't know why, but I think that yeah, we are a very negative. I don't know. Is French like that? Is Italian? Italian might have more love words. Mm. I don't know. It's a, I don't know. <laughs> are all the languages like that? I'm not sure. Well, I tried to learn Spanish for. Mm. Uh, that's another years. love language. Yes. Well, yes. it's funny because a friend of mine who was fluent in Spanish said, uh, oh, it's too bad you're married. And I said, excuse me? And yeah. She said, well, the best place to learn Spanish is in bed. Yes. Yeah. They say that about <laughs> Greek and Italian yeah. and all the other ones as well. Yeah. 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 But so, so noticing. So do you want to be better at meditating? Do you want to get into the gap? That's, I mean. Well, I, the, the excuse I use, Tammy, is time, right? It's like three minutes I can justify. I can fit three minutes. 
So your mind is too busy. So if we've just had a conversation where we say we are, and, and you, this was your language, we're bombarded with 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. I rarely think that, by the way, because I feel like my thoughts are what I choose to put in front of my face. Now, I'm in a particularly easy position to make those choices. I mean, I'm separated from most of the world in a very small town where I don't see anybody really but you and your husband a couple <laughs> times a week. Like, I, it, I'm really isolated. So whatever I'm seeing, which is not news, it's not social media, it's not negativity, it's not rules, it's not all of that. So my perception of it is different. For instance, have you ever talked to somebody who who has who experiences uh, activities of road rage when they're out on the highway and they're forever moaning about people who are raging on the uh, on expressways? Well, I I know from just myself traveling the 401 for seven years, it uh, I, it was all consuming sometimes. Mm -hmm. If it weren't in your mind, you wouldn't have experienced it. Hmm. So again, and I, this week was a big thing for me. If you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange juice. Yeah, apple juice doesn't come out of an orange. <laughs> so if it isn't in you and you get squeezed, you know, rage on the, on the 401, then whatever's in you is going to come out. Now, you wouldn't see it, rage, if it didn't live in you. Hmm. So the perception sw switch, which is change the way you look at things, things you look at change, is then where in me do I feel rage? Mm. How is my body attempting to communicate with me through my physical environment? Well, I'm with the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, who said, uh, hell is other people. Hey, stop it. <laughs> it's language. Listen. <clears throat> so so I rarely, I think I might have experienced road rage once in my life, and it was because the guy who was driving the car was a rage freak, and I stopped being around him. But I've never other than that, ever experienced road rage because it's not a part of me. Mm. When I get squeezed, that is not what comes out. I have other things, but that's <laughs> not what comes out, right? So if, if your environment, we're taught to pay attention to and be a victim of what's happening around us, when wouldn't it be wonderful if what's happening around us is nothing more than an exposure to what's happening inside of us that we need to be paying attention to? Yep. Notice, mm -hmm. notice, notice, notice. Yeah. So the sober acronym is a good one. So it's again, stop, observe, observe breathe, breathe, because we tend to be very shallow breathers yes. without even noticing. Breath right? is life. Yes. And then the E is expand. Mm. So taking that, putting it in a draft, yes. right? Before we react, we want to just give it, give it a minute, put it in draft yeah. and then respond instead of, uh, now remember the, 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 the desire to react is the reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the oldest part of our brain. It's, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It is, yeah. and, it, and it's helpful sometimes. Um, so then the next part being the emotional one, the most drive from us comes from our emotions. If, if, the, limbi or if the, the reptilian brain, sa brain says move, run, you're going to be hit, flight, the emotional brain feels fear, right? And then the, the cortex, the neocortex, logics you out of it, mm. right? But all three of them working together is what created that synergy of movement to save you from that, right? Now, some could argue that you only need your reptilian brain, well, maybe in some cases, but sure is more graceful if you can use the rest of yourself as well. And the noticer or the observer of the experience, right, the soul that is that we think our soul's in our body, our body is actually in our soul. So that soulful part of me suggests that that was a message that I wasn't paying enough attention. Hmm. 
It was a message that I wasn't paying enough attention. And if only my reptilian brain is being activated, that's a message that I need more balance in my life. The Huna has this great meditation for anybody who's studied Huna. It's called the, the garden. And you create a garden in your mind through um, typically guided meditation sets it up. And then each time you go there, the garden will depict, represent things that are happening in your physical experience. Just a way to really connect us and, and bring, bring everything back together again to balance. Hmm. In recovery circles, we talk about the managing of our thoughts. So once we can manage the thoughts, then managing the feelings, the moods, the emotions kind of corresponds to the thoughts that we're having. That's that cycle of Thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Yes. And I think, you know, put another box in there before the thoughts is the words. So yes. the words we're using, feeding the thoughts we're having, the thoughts, feeding the moods, the feelings, and the emotions, the actions, feelings, and the behavior. Because there's so many heightened emotions uh, when we are, because we've got that whole dopamine system happening with addictions, right? So we've been feeding our dopamine system for so long with uh, substances and behaviors that are are spiking that that whole chemical reaction. So abstaining from the substance, primarily substances. But behaviors go with it as well. Uh, holy mackerel. I Candace, know. Four uh, minutes left. I know. Oh, wow. I love talking with you. Wow, we're going to have to go into part two on this. <laughs> I really want to talk about that because, because what we've come away from, for instance, eating mindfully mm. will, re will release serotonin. So... Um, Listening to beautiful music or having a silent moment, uh, sex, without the addiction of sex, but sharing of love and, and physical amorous behavior, those things also reduce those or produce those chemicals. So why wouldn't we be taught that? We'd, we just get, we get so stimulated, like you said, bombarded with stimulation and messages and, and rules and, and negative images and whatever it is. Yet we have, and that's on this sort of not great side of the world that really pushes us down and tells us that we have to be, look, think a certain way. It takes us away from that. But there's a whole toolbox full of things that nobody ever teaches you that bring you closer to instead of taking you away from. Yeah. Mindful eating, paying attention to the activity that you're doing, being in the present moment, experiencing the gap, living, sitting in silence, finding reasons to be grateful. Uh, like, Walk in nature. Oh my mm. God, connecting with nature, feeling the oneness. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the time, I can't believe it. <laughs> it what a great conversation. It has been a great yeah. conversation. All our conversations are fabulous. Yeah. I always learn so much from you, Tammy. I, I can tell when I'm excited when my hands start flailing about. <laughs> That's the Italian in <laughs> it you. It sure is, yes. yes. Yeah. Tammy Bannon, you are an extraordinary woman with uh, such wisdom. Yes, you're one of these uh, old souls, as mm. we say. So thank you guys for hanging in here with us, uh, our 30-minute conversation. We can get uh, pretty deep into this stuff. We should do a talk show, Tanya. Absolutely. We I think we're doing that now. Do a call-in. No, we, where people call in and ask us questions. We should so do that. Well, you can always email. How about this? We'll yeah. start with emailing yeah. the question to redroofrecovery at gmail.com. So if you've got something niggling away in your mind that you would like some help with red, red roof recovery at gmail.com. And uh, Tam, I'll get, Tam, I, I'm talking Tammy into coming on every show <laughs> because then, then, then I have time to take a little from my little sippy cup. I, I can uh, get my, cause I, I'm full of anxiety doing these shows, right? Pardon? 
Awesome. Okay, right. See, watch your language. Talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend. Girl. Thankfully, I've got one of my best friends here reminding yeah. me about how I'm talking to myself. So yeah, remember, we need to talk to ourselves. We talk to ourselves in our head more than we talk to anybody. So let's make the effort to make it a nice place to be. Mm. Okay, some shameless self-promotion now. My two books available on Amazon.ca. And if you're in Canada's prettiest town, Goddard, Ontario, they're <laughs> available at Finchers in the Square. My first book is Mindful Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad. So I could create a legacy for my extraordinary father, a single dad, uh, raising two girls on his own back in the 60s, struggling with his own addictions. And uh, then my second book was Daily Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad. And I set this one up as a journal. So every day has an inspirational message. So not only do I want you to buy my books, but I want you to spend some time on the Daily Wisdom book. I want you to reflect on this daily message. Get in the gap. Get in the gap, yeah. And uh, then write your thoughts and intentions for the day. In my experience, uh, you know, the power of words is very, very powerful. And the power of the written word, when we're getting other senses involved, like writing and singing, very powerful life transformational it is i'm tanya mcintyre thank you for being here may the forest be with you and remember you are the force